we've been asking ourselves a really big question this whole year that has helped us in our walk with Jesus, in our life with Jesus, how to live in the Spirit, how to understand the deeper things of the kingdom of God. And that question that we have been asking ourselves is, what do I believe? This is an extremely important question because what we believe in our mind uh, travels the the longest distance in the world. You know the longest distance in your world is about 12 to 18 inches from your head to your heart. That's a long distance. And it's changed things historically in our lives and in people's lives and in nations' lives for a long, long time, what we believe. And so we're processing the deep, big things of Scripture and the things that we need in our life to help us understand what to believe. And over the past several weeks um, of coming and going and a couple little interruptions along the way, I've been talking about four things that make up who we are as a Foursquare Church. As a Foursquare Church, we believe four really, really important things about Jesus. We've talked about three, and I want to talk about the fourth this morning. These important truths about Jesus are the following. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our soon-coming King. And today I want to talk about the fourth one that we discover in God's Word, and that is that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word. Jesus, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you that it is living and active. It's sharper than any sword. It cuts right through bone and marrow to our heart. And I pray that that would happen this morning, that we would open our heart to your Word. We would open our heart to this idea that you baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? And what, what is that? Why is that important? And why is that for today? We pray that you would help us to understand it in a very real, authentic, and deep spiritual way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to launch us right into this in John chapter one, because this idea of the Holy Spirit being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it, it births itself a little bit in some of the Old Testament prophets, namely in Joel, which is, we'll get to in Acts chapter 2. But um, most recently, it, it sees itself as John the Baptist starts to prepare the nation of Israel for the coming of the Messiah. And we know that that's John the Baptist's role. That's his role in the life of Jesus Christ and birthing the Messiah is he's really bridging the gap between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets. We have 400 years of no prophet at all. John the Baptist comes on the scene and once again, a very, very powerful prophet begins his ministry in the nation of Israel. Now, in particular, <clears throat> one of the things that John was doing as a very physical act and spiritual act of helping people be renewed in their relationship with God was baptism in water. And that's why we called John, John the Baptist, because he was calling people to come out of the cities, out into the wilderness, to the Jordan River, and be baptized in water. But he was also preparing the hearts of the people for what Jesus would do. And in one of the moments <clears throat> that John is having with, with the public, 
John says something very, very important. So John the Baptist, we notice in the New Testament, is the one that starts this idea about being baptized in the Holy Spirit when he says something very significant about Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 32 to verse 34. Look at it with me. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and that him that he's talking about is Jesus. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John begins the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the chosen one, as the Messiah. But in particular, John also adds something to it. He adds that Jesus would become the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Now, what, what did John mean by that? What did he mean when he used the term baptized in the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about that just for a moment because John may actually not have understood all that he was saying by experience. And not, that wouldn't have been something that maybe John would have completely uh, understood experientially in his own life. He was saying it prophetically. Now, because it was what God was going to do in the future through Jesus Christ, John was declaring it because it was the prophetic word that God was giving through John. Now, that's true for most prophets. Most prophets, when they give a prophetic word about the future, they haven't experienced it in the present, but they're declaring it because it's something that God wants to declare and God wants to do in the future. And not every prophet understood exactly what God was saying or what he was doing in the moment but they knew that God was saying it, so they would declare it. Now, in the moment, John was baptizing in water for repentance. So we have these two ideas of baptism that are now running around in our mind. Baptism in water, and John brings up a new term, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, People understood the baptism in water part because you'd go to the river, you'd get dunked in the water, and you would be completely immersed in the water as a symbol of your repentance before God and of your new life that you intended to live moving forward. That was the idea of baptism in water. Now, baptism in the Holy Spirit would be similar in that respect to baptism in water. A person gets completely immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they become empowered to live the new life in the chosen one, Jesus Christ, moving forward. So we see the similarities, and it's interesting that God does it right in this moment to help us understand the similarities and see why the baptism in the Holy Spirit would be important for our lives today as disciples. See, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something talked about much before Jesus because it wasn't attainable until Jesus. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that we needed the cross and the resurrection to be done for us in order for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to indwell us. 
Before that moment, it was literally not attainable for the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in every person's life. Therefore, the baptism in the Holy Spirit becomes a reality only in Christ. It only becomes this reality and a part of our lives when we first of all believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our sins are completely forgiven and we are washed free and we now live in the grace of Jesus Christ and now the Holy Spirit has opportunity to dwell in our life because we now are covered by the complete and total forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Now we live today in a very physical world, don't we? Our world primarily, especially I think the American way of life, is a very physical existence. And we focus a large part of our life on physical activities and physical things. We've been taught in school and in our culture that most of the important things in our life and in our world are things that we can see, that we can hear, that we can feel, that we can touch, that we emotionally interact with. So in the Western world, we are told that if we can't see something in particular or observe it scientifically, that it probably isn't of great value to our life. So, we often dismiss the reality of spiritual things. We dismiss or have a hard time with the truth about spiritual things or how the spiritual world exists or even things that we read in scripture sometimes we have a tough time with because our culture and our nation and our education is not particularly about spiritual things, but about physical things. And so our education and the way that we grew up and the way that we do life is mostly about physical things. But in our culture, we also have this very interesting fascination with spiritual things. And right now, it's just a fascination. It's more of a, a fantasy that we enjoy about spiritual worlds, spiritual beings, and they've made their way into all of our media, haven't they? Into all of our entertainment. But we like them to just stay there. Just stay there. Stay in the fantasy world. Stay in the entertainment business because we actually know what is real. And what's real is those are myths and spiritual things are not really as important in our lives as we say that they are. And so as long as we talk about spiritual things just as fantasy, not about reality and about the truth about spiritual things, we're okay. As long as we don't talk about heaven and hell and spiritual realities for our soul, we're good. Let's just keep that in the fantasy world. The problem with that is there's, when you read scripture and when you read the Bible, your mind and your heart gets opened up to a whole bunch of spiritual realities, to a whole bunch of spiritual truths. And since we're asking that question, what do I believe? You and I, as the people of God, begin to understand some very, very deep truths about God, about our own life, about the world we live in, 
and actually about how the entire universe is made up and what it's made up of. All of these things come to reality and come to the truth as we read scripture. So when we make our lives more about the physical than the spiritual, then we also discover that it's a lot easier to dismiss the existence of God because God is spirit. But then you and I just start living life. And as we live life, we have this problem. We start having spiritual moments. And we start having spiritual moments and they happen again and again. And then we're in this quandary. How do I explain that? How do I explain what just happened? How do I explain how that person in my life just got healed? How do I explain that moment that I just had that I felt like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I felt like God's presence was right in the room. How do I explain that? And these moments begin to happen over and over and over again. And you begin to understand that God is spirit. Now look at John 4, 24 with me. So just turn over one page in your Bible. And Jesus is talking with a woman in a well. And one of the things that he declares to her about God, I just want to note really quickly. In verse 24, Jesus says this to her, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now look at this verse just a little bit quicker with me um, and we'll look at it on the screen so we're all looking at it together. So look at the first time it comes to the word, God is spirit. Spirit's not capitalized. The word spirit is not capitalized because it's more about the physical or the understanding of the existence of God, that of his nature. So his nature is not physical like us, a body. His nature is spirit, which enables him to inhabit all of the universe. Okay? So God is spirit. That's something about his makeup right? You, we would say his physical makeup, but it's not his physical makeup because it's not physical, right? But it's, it's part of who he is. But then it says, and his worshipers must worship in the, and now spirit is capitalized because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. So now what it's saying is the way that you and I will connect to God who is spirit is through the Holy Spirit. And how can I connect to God, the Father, who is spirit through the Holy Spirit in a really, really profound and deep and real and authentic way because now he lives inside me because Jesus died for me and forgave me and the whole, opened my life up to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to live inside you and inside me. And that true worship that must now happen can happen because of what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection and because the Holy Spirit can come to live inside of us. So God, the first truth that we see here is God is spirit. In fact, Jesus was spirit. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus took on flesh when he came to earth. He wasn't flesh before, he was spirit. 
but he took on flesh. He, he made himself into human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He wasn't like a man before. He took on flesh to die for you and me. That's something he did for us. He became obedient to death on the cross. All of that was a part of what Jesus did for us, but he was spirit before and he took on flesh. So God the Father is a spiritual being, so is Jesus, so is the Holy Spirit. And we are created in the image of God. If we're created in the image of God, then that brings up a good question. And the question would be this. Are we a spiritual being in a physical body? Or are we a physical being interacting with spiritual things around us or inside us? Now that's an important question. Let me tell you why. Because we have two dichotomies in our culture about how we have come to exist. Evolution and creation. Evolution says what? I am primarily a physical thing. I am a physical thing that existed and evolved, but I am primarily a physical thing and my life is about physical things and interacting to physical things around me and that's, that's who I am. The Bible says something different. The Bible says you are a spiritual being and that in actuality, God knew about you before he created the foundation of the world. You were already there. He thought of you. He designed you. He placed you in your mother's womb and you became a person on this planet, but you are a spiritual being in a physical body. Let me give you an example of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4, the apostle Paul says this about our body. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Anybody groan and are burdened about your body? My, I, I got this thing in my knee. It, oh man, it just makes me groan a lot. Some of you understand what I'm talking about, right? Paul goes on, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This body is mortal. It's just a tent. And one day we'll have something that will carry our life for eternity. That body will be different. We have no idea what it'll look like, what it'll sound. I'm hoping it's better than this one. I'm hoping it looks better than this one, right? I think it'd be great if I had a little bit nicer face, all those things, that'd be wonderful. We're gonna be swallowed up by life, right? But while we are here on earth, tell your neighbor, I'm just camping. Go ahead. I'm just camping, right? It's a tent, it's a tent. Now, are you supposed to take care of your tent? You are. Yep, that's part of our responsibility. You're supposed to take care of your tent because it's the one that you have and it's, it's important. So the word seems to communicate that we are more spirit than we think. The New Testament continues to communicate a life in Christ is a life in the spirit. And that, that life is more important than physical life. The New Testament regularly, regularly refers to the fact that our life in Jesus Christ is a new and different life. And that it is a life in tune with our spiritual realities. A life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. A life that is lived more in the spiritual than in the physical. 
That's why as followers of Jesus Christ, we discover that life in the spirit is more important than life in the physical. It's also why the New Testament is often telling us to avoid the temptations and urges of this physical world and to live in the spirit. Let me give you an example of this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, it says, those who live according to the flesh, our body, physical life, have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This life that Jesus calls us to is about eternal life and it's about peace now. And that life is found in the spiritual more than it's found in the physical. Now part of God's plan in sending Jesus to the earth was to pave the way for us to live in the Spirit. Something that the believers before Christ was not doing in the capacity that you and I get to do that today. What Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection by opening the way for you and I to have the Holy Spirit live in us because we are completely justified. That, that word is a big Christian word, but it talks about it often in Ephesians and Colossians and other places in scripture. That when we open our life to Jesus Christ and believe in him, confess our sin to Christ and his salvation comes into us, we are justified. It's just as if we've never sinned. And because we are now holy in Christ and the righteousness of Christ, as Hebrews says, covers our sins, the Holy Spirit can live in us because he's holy. Can a holy God live in me if I'm unholy? No. Can a holy God live in me if I am holy? Yes. And a holy God can live in me because I am holy because Jesus made me holy. And because Jesus is making me holy. And because God the Father sees Jesus in me, not the frailty of Mark in me. And so because of that, the Holy Spirit can inhabit us physically and spiritually. Which takes us to the fact that the baptism in the Holy Spirit becomes a part of this life that we get to live in the Spirit. So let's ask a question the rest of our time together. Why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit important for our faith today? Why is it important? Like, is it essential? Is it, is it a big deal? Is, is it okay if I just have Jesus and not the Spirit? It is, kinda, but that's kind of like if you have ice cream, okay? How many of you like ice cream? Raise your hand if you like ice cream. Okay, good. Most of you. Some of you didn't raise your hand, so I know you're liars. Okay, so if I put a table out here and I put some vanilla ice cream on the table. So on this end of the table, I've got vanilla ice cream. And then on this end of the table, I've got toppings. I've got Oreo cookies, and I've got Snickers bites, and I've got Butterfinger, and I've got caramel, and I've got chocolate, and I've got everything. And I say, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can take your vanilla ice cream, and you can go to your seat, or you can take your vanilla ice cream, and you can put some toppings on it. What are you doing? You're putting toppings on it. The Holy Spirit is the toppings. 
That's what he is. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's the toppings. Rarely, if the table is set before us with the toppings, do we just ignore them. Say, oh, I don't, I don't want the toppings. We want the toppings. And so not all the toppings are really easy, are they? Like one of the toppings is that we're supposed to give our finances to God. Oh, well, that one's not great. Like, well, it's an Oreo cookie because what you don't realize is when God's in control of your finances and you're trusting him, then God's going to bless them. And that's a whole lot better than what I can do with it. So the toppings are great. So why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit important for our faith today? Well, the first reason is because Jesus said so. And we live most of our lives in Christ and we do most of the things in our lives in Christ. Why? Because Jesus said so. Why do we obey him? Because it's part of what we do in Christ. Now here's what's interesting. Follow me just for a second. And you can turn to Acts chapter one if you'd like. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. And now he's hanging out with the disciples. He's hanging out with the disciples. It's his last moments on earth. It's his last words with the disciples. So they're extremely important because they're his last words. And there's something that transpires here in Acts chapter one that I think is quite extraordinary. Jesus begins to tell his disciples about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and that they needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So after he comes back to life, he begins to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And look at it with me in Acts chapter one, verse four and five. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So that's interesting. Jesus has already been speaking about the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you read the Gospel of John, you'll see many references to the Holy Spirit throughout the book. And then verse five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now here's the repeat, right? We, we went to John chapter one right in the beginning when, G, when John said, Jesus will baptize in water. Now Jesus is saying, remember, John baptized with water, but you're gonna get baptized in a different way in a couple days. You're gonna get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now here's what's interesting. I can't think of any group of people that I think would be more equipped to share Jesus with the world better than the first disciples. I don't think there's anybody since Christ that have been more equipped than the first disciples. Why? Well, because they lived with him. Because they heard his teaching firsthand. They saw all his miracles. They saw him die on the cross and they saw him come back to life. They saw with their own eyes the holes in his hands, the holes in his feet, the cut in his side. They hung out with him after he was a resurrected person. So I can't imagine anybody more prepared to share the gospel and to live in Christ than those first disciples. But what does Jesus say? You still need one more thing. Now, how about you? 
Would you like to see Jesus with your own eyes? I would. I'd love to. But we live in a different time, in a different age. Do I think that would have helped me live for Christ? Absolutely. Do I think if I lived, if I saw Jesus alive, would it help me today? Absolutely. I think it would. So if those disciples needed the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, how much more do I need him? How much more in a day when we don't get the experience of seeing Jesus firsthand? How much more do we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit? So Jesus tells them, you need one more thing. You would think they're completely equipped, but Jesus says, oh no, there's one more thing. There's, there's a whole bunch more toppings I have for you. And that's to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to baptize you. And when he does, you'll know immediately exactly how you're supposed to live for me and what you're supposed to do. And so they do. They go back to Jerusalem and they wait and they pray. And we get to Acts chapter two. Turn there with me. Verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now what a significant moment. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fills this group of believers in Jesus who are praying, baptizes them in the Spirit, and the Bible says they spoke in tongues, but there were also visible little flames uh, of fire above their heads. So let's talk about this moment because I think it's incredibly significant. First of all, let's note that they did what Jesus asked them to do. They obeyed. They went back to Jerusalem and they just hung out together. And they began to pray and just be in the Lord's presence. That's an important thing. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about obeying Jesus. The next thing that we saw is that the Holy Spirit comes into the room and he fills them. He baptizes them and two, thing, two visible things happen. One, they receive a prayer language or they speak in tongues. It's, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a part of their life in Christ, their spiritual life in Christ that is gonna take them to a new place of growth in Christ and a new place of empowerment in Christ. So they have this spiritual language. The second thing that happens is just as significant. Now remember, these are all Jewish people hanging out in this upper room, and they see little flames of fire over their head. Does anybody remember the last time the Jews might have had a, a flame of fire in their nation? If your mind goes back to the Exodus, you're correct. The last big moment in any, any Jewish person's mind is what? That when God inhabited the people and their camp in the wilderness with a cloud of, a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And what did it symbolize? It symbolized that the presence of God was in their camp. 
that the presence of God was with them. And so what do they see above their heads as they are baptized with the Holy Spirit, those first initial disciples? They see the presence of God above them. It's this great reminder that what? The presence of God is with you. I am with you. I am in you. And so Jesus is starting a new thing here. What Jesus is saying through the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, I am with you. My presence is in you. My presence will be with you wherever you go. And I will empower you to live like Jesus all the days of your life. That is exactly what those first disciples would have understood and believed and experienced in that moment. Now, there were lots of things Jesus told his disciples that would be a part of following him as their Lord and Savior. Things like loving your neighbor, praying for those who persecute you, turning the other cheek, giving God your finances, picking up your cross and following Jesus. All of these things are things that we saw as things that Jesus commanded us to do and we follow them because Jesus told us to do them. We also can look at these verses today and say this is something that Jesus told us to do and we are commanded to follow him today. So we need to apply that same principle to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's something Jesus wants his disciples to do. So why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit important for our faith today? Because Jesus told us to. Secondly, it empowers us to be a witness for Jesus. Go back a page to Acts chapter 1 and look at verse 8. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let me ask a question. Is there anyone in the room that feels like some supernatural power would be good for your life right now? Me too. Like, come on. That's exactly what I need. That's exactly what I want. As soon as we leave this room and go out to live in the world and work in this world and be a part of this world, exactly what our world needs and exactly what we need in this world as Christians is what? The supernatural power of God in us, flowing in us and out of us every single day. I mean, this is like a rhetorical question. We all need it. Does anyone in the, need, in the room need supernatural power to share Jesus with a friend? A neighbor? Family member? We all do, don't we? Because we want to share Jesus, but what do we do? We chicken out. <laughs> like we want to, but then at the last minute, we come up with some reason, some excuse that we just don't. So there needs to be something else inside me that's given me some supernatural power to break through my, my fear and help me be a witness. Help me share Jesus with my friends and my neighbors and my coworkers. And that's exactly what Jesus said right here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. 
That's what you're going to be from now on. You're going to tell people about Jesus. And this is exactly what happens. Okay, right here in Acts chapter 1. Immediately after this moment, we see an example of this happening. Just a couple weeks before this moment is happening at Pentecost, Peter is denying Jesus to a middle school girl around a fire. Do I need to repeat that? Peter is denying Jesus to a middle school girl. He's petrified of a middle school girl around a fire. But at Pentecost, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as you read the rest of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, Peter goes out into the street and he preaches a very powerful message and 3,000 people get saved because he witnesses about who Jesus is and that he is the chosen one and that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is what we all need. We all need the baptism in the Holy Spirit because we all need to be empowered to be a witness for Jesus because there are people right here on the West Plains that need us to share the saving message of Jesus with them. There are billions of people around the world that need to hear the saving message of Jesus. And we need the Holy Spirit's presence and power in a greater capacity to help us be witnesses in our generation today. See, our generation needs the salvation of Jesus Christ just as much as the generations living in the first century. Now, isn't God good to empower us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and to the ends of the earth? To not just say, hey, do that on your own. Figure that out somehow. And if you don't have enough courage to do it, just come on, buck up, people. Now, Jesus says, I'll empower you. The Holy Spirit will give you the courage and the strength and the words to say in those moments when you share Jesus. See, I think when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we also become more aware of the greatest need of those around us, salvation in Christ. We begin to have a burden for the lost, for the hurting, for, the, for those without Jesus around the world and in our city. Here, here's one of the things that happens. I think when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit and we begin to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in our mind, in our heart, in our inner spirit, we begin to look at people through, with the eyes of Jesus instead of looking at people with my own eyes. See, when I look at people with my own eyes, I can be critical. I can be judgmental. I can be frustrated and angry. And I'm not talking about just the people that wear Seahawks jerseys. I'm talking about anybody that you and I live with or work with or just have stressful encounters with. We can easily get into our flesh, right? And get frustrated and complain, get angry and frustrated and follow the emotions that are happening in my life in that moment. Or I can live in the power of the Spirit. And in that moment, realize this is someone that does not know Jesus. And I need to be Jesus with skin on right now for them. So I need to be patient and kind. I need to, be, I need to tell the truth. 
but I need to be Jesus right now. It's the Holy Spirit's power that helps us do that. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that helps us with that. See, he empowers us to be a witness for Jesus. Third, it enhances our prayer and worship life. Let me share two verses about this. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. It's in this context where Paul is talking about what we do together in our meetings. But in this context, Paul says something interesting in verse 14. He says, For if I pray in tongues, in my prayer language that I receive from the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. Now here's what Paul says. Look at it with me. Paul says, there will be times in my life, probably every day, where I will pray in the spirit, and there will be times that I will pray in English. There will be times when I sing in the spirit, and there will be times where I sing in English. Now, both of those times are important when I'm praying and singing in English so that I can understand, so that others can understand. But there are also times in the Spirit, as a result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where I'm doing something that's spiritual, not physical. Let me explain this. I do this often, personally. I pray and sing in English, and I pray and I sing in the Spirit. Now, when I pray and I sing in the Spirit, my mind doesn't understand what I am saying. I'm not comprehending fully the words that I'm saying and the interpretation of what those words now mean. That's not happening all the time. But there's definitely something happening in my spirit. Inside me, in my spirit, there is something profound and spiritual taking place when I pray in the spirit and when I sing in the spirit. I'm encouraged at a greater level than I ever was before when I prayed in English. And when I pray and sing in the spirit, my spirit is connecting with God who is spirit. So my spirit in a profound way is deeply encouraged and my life receives so much more in that moment because I am now connecting with God the Father who is spirit, with the Holy Spirit who is spirit, than I ever was before when I was just trying to connect with God in a physical way, in my mind. Something spiritual is happening. And something spiritual needs to happen because God is spirit and the Holy Spirit is spirit. The second verse is Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Any, anybody ever not know what to pray for? But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. In other words, you pray in the Spirit. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have I did not know what to pray. I've read the Bible 
numerous times. I've read tons of books about prayer. I know how to pray. It's not like I'm inadequate and I, and I don't know how to pray. But there are times that I have had in my life, and I know you've had in your life too, that the circumstance and the situation that I'm going through is so difficult, so challenging. I am so emotional in the moment. I don't even know what to say. I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much hurt. My heart is breaking beyond belief that I don't have a word to speak it's not coming to me because something inside of me is just beyond words. Have you been there? It's in those moments where I have begun to pray in the Spirit. And it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit fills me afresh. And it's in that moment that I receive the encouragement and the hope and the peace that I need right in that moment to even be able to get up off of my knees and continue my day and my week and my month and my year. You know what I'm talking about? That's a spiritual thing. That doesn't happen in the physical. It happens in the spiritual. Let me give you an example of this as we close. I was talking to a, a, a young woman from our church mid-February and she shared a story with me about the baptism in the Holy Spirit that I asked her if I could relay it to you this morning because it's just a cool moment in the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happened recently. You'll remember that in January we did our 21 days of fasting and prayer and this woman in our church decided to fast from social media. And so she spent a lot of time on social media and she said the first week was really hard. And they, they just were having a really hard week in every single area of their life. Not, not just having a hard week from not dealing with social media. That wasn't really the hard part of the week. They were just having a really, really hard week in every single area of their life, their kids, their work, everything. This family has a ranch and they have lots of cows on their ranch and they also have lots of land that they farm. And nine months before January, they had uh, impregnated their cows. It's called AIing, and you artificially inseminate your cow with uh, a really expensive um, cow and hope to get a really expensive cow in return and it benefits you greatly. This is a really expensive process. And during that first week, they lost three cows during birth. Now, this is an expensive endeavor, and you're now losing money. And it was stressful. It was hard. And they felt like, she said, we, we just felt like we were under this massive spiritual attack. So at the end of that first week, three cows have died. She said, I just went down to the barn and I was exhausted, but I just started praying and I just started saying, all I could say was, not today, Satan. You're not taking any more cows. <laughs> not today. And she said, I just walked around the barn, was walking around the property. She said, the second week started and it just got harder. It just got harder. She said, I had lots of anxiety that I couldn't explain. 
She said, it just felt like we were under this massive spiritual attack. And I kept, I kept thinking to myself, I need to just stop fasting. If I just stop fasting, the enemy will go away. He won't attack me anymore and everything will go be, be good. So I'm just gonna download the Facebook app back on my phone and everything will be good. But she said, my sister kept encouraging me, no, don't do that. Just press into Jesus. You got you know, two more weeks to go. Just keep pressing into Jesus. Don't download Facebook on your phone, which is probably a good encouragement, right? And she said, that week was just awful. Whole week, awful. So two weeks, just awful. She said on day 14, she was praying. She'd put her kids to bed. She came upstairs. She started praying. And all of a sudden, she just started praying in tongues. She said, I just felt the Holy Spirit's presence just flood over me. And I just started praying in tongues. And she said, the interesting thing was, I had not prayed for that. That's not what I was praying for. It's not what I was asking for. It just happened. And she said, and joy just flooded my soul. And as I'm sitting there praying and I've gone, now I'm not praying in English anymore. She said, I'm praying in a spiritual language that I do not know. And I do not understand. And she said, in the moment, it was kind of weird, but I kind of understood what was going on because you've talked about it before. So I got it like, okay, I'm just going to let this happen. And then she said, one of my girls just starts crying in the basement. So I'm like, okay. So I stop. And I go down and I take care of my child, get them back to bed, get them back to sleep. And I come back up and I thought, she said, I thought in my mind that was just, maybe that was just a one-time thing. I don't know what that was. I'm just going to move on, but I just need to pray. She said, I started to pray in English and immediately I started praying in tongues again. And in that moment, I realized this is not weird. This is not something weird. This is just something the Holy Spirit is doing in me. And she said, I felt peace and I felt joy and the situation that we were in, it's like the Lord just lifted it off of me. And in that moment, that spiritual moment, she said, the rest of the week, I continued my fasting. I continued to just pray in the spirit. The rest of our cows all birthed properly and are still alive today. And she said, a week or two later, we were having a baptism at church. So mid-February, we're having a baptism at church. She said, I'm just sitting there watching the baptism. And all of a sudden, I start praying in tongues again. And I just realized I'm praying for these people that are getting baptized to follow Christ, to be strong in Christ, to live for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is just filling me afresh again. And I find myself praying for these individuals that are getting baptized. And I'm having this another very spiritual moment as I'm connecting with my brother or sister in Christ as they're starting their life in Christ. And she said, I'm just having those moments over and over again where the Holy Spirit is leading me in spiritual moments that I just never had before. And this is a woman, by the way, who has walked with Jesus for a long time without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and is now walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She said, now I feel this pull in my spirit to speak in tongues whenever the Spirit wants me to. And I just feel this very deep and powerful connection with my Savior Jesus. See, the baptism in the Spirit is still happening today. And why is it happening today? Because Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And Hebrews 13.8 says what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is who he is. Would you stand with me?
So we asked this question as we closed. Why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit important for our faith today? Because Jesus said so. Because it empowers us to be a witness for Jesus and it enhances our prayer and worship life. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward and um, just get ready to pray with people. And I'm trusting that there's some in the room that you'll have something that you want to pray about before you leave this morning. And it could be anything. Maybe you want to pray for healing. Maybe you have something big in your life that's just going on and you just want prayer. They're, they're available for you to pray with this morning. And um, I just would like us to take a minute because I realize that this, this subject is, is a big one. Maybe it's new to you. Maybe it's not. Maybe throughout your Christian walk, you've, you've been taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not real. It's not for today. But I'm here to tell you it is. It is real. And it doesn't have to be weird. Um, you know that it's my heart at Cheney Faith Center for us to be Pentecostal, but not to be weird. And what that means is that I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I don't believe in the Holy Spirit being weird because he's not weird. In fact, the Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians um, 14 that we know that the Spirit is in the place when things are in order. Order. Our world, our universe, created by our Heavenly Father is in what? Perfect order. From the very smallest cell to the largest star in our solar system. It is in absolute perfect order order. And so the way that we know that the Spirit is often moving among us is when we are doing things in order. Now, does that mean that there are things in the Scripture that are very spiritual that we need to get used to and that we need to understand better? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean they're weird. And so would you pray with me? <clears throat> and I just want to ask this question because um, it's an important one. Maybe you've not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit yet in your life, but you would like to say, <clears throat> I recognize that that's something that Jesus wants for my life. And I want to be a person that is growing in Christ. And I want to be a person that is living out the spiritual life that Jesus and the Holy Spirit is calling me to. I don't want to live my life completely in the physical. I want to understand how to live life in the spiritual that interacts with the physical in the name of Jesus. And if that's you this morning and you just want to say to, say to the Lord right now, I may not understand everything about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I'm open to it. And I want to grow in it. And I want to understand it and I do want to experience it because I do want to be closer to Jesus and I recognize that the Holy Spirit gets me closer to Jesus and when he fills me, I get closer to Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning and just say, that, that's what I want. I want to be closer to Jesus. Thank you. Thanks for those hands. Great. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus, I just want to pray for these that have raised their hands. <clears throat> Jesus, I pray right now, you said <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit is a gift and they're asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So would you fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit in your timing, in your way, when it's just right for them? Would you fill them? Would they speak in tongues and know that that is from you? Would they know the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Would they become a bold witness for Jesus? And would you empower them every single day to walk with you? We give you thanks and praise, Jesus, for what you do. And we pray that you would help us every single day to be on mission for Jesus. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. We all said, amen, amen. Well, if you raised your hand and you feel like it would be helpful for you this morning to just come up or pray with someone about that, I really want to encourage you to do that. Um, So just take a moment to do that and to think about that and to take some time with it and to process it. Otherwise, I'm just going to encourage us to continue to have this in your thoughts and in your mind as we try to grow in Christ. Thanks for being in church this morning. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.